Hello and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is episode 422. I'm your host, Casey Maluli. Across the table from me today is Tom Maluli. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So we are going to explore some charts. We've got about six or seven charts that have that cover the big themes of this year and 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 these charts are specifically designed for podcast listeners because you can't see them so we'll just talk about them we're gonna do our best to set them up and give you uh let you create the word picture the word picture so the first one that we're gonna talk about is um, covering inflation expectations inflation has been probably the biggest story so far in 2022 and um, this is looking forward. So the, the chart shows that even with 0% month over month inflation, it will take until mid 2023 for inflation to hit the Fed's target of 2%. So let's explain that. Because when we talk about or when people in the, um, in the market or talking about the economy, are talking about a measure of inflation, they are talking about right now compared to 12 months ago. And so they're saying that inflation at one point this year was up 8.7%. Uh, that is compared to this July versus last July, or I should say July of 22 versus July of 21. Right. So that's the year over year calculation. That's right. And so what you just said was more of a month over month measurement. Now, this is important to understand, and I think a lot of people miss this, is, you know, we started getting measurable inflation in the first quarter last year of 2022. Fast forward a year into the first quarter of now 2023, those months at the beginning of the year where we had rapidly rising inflation, they fall off. They fall off the chart. And so we're going to see comparisons in 2023 where inflation is flat or maybe even down. Yeah, or negative. Or, yeah, negative. Right. I'm trying to think what month it was when it was over the summer. Maybe it was July when um, President Biden, there was that whole conversation of, he said there was no inflation, but in the year over year was 9%. And then it kind of got everyone talking about the different ways that inflation is actually measured. So there's the year over year, and then there's the month over month. The month over month, you see increases more like, like 1%. Those were the kinds of numbers we were seeing in the beginning of 2022, like 1% month over month. Right. That is a like a rapid... That, that annualizes out to 12% inflation. Right. Because it's, you know, that's just one month over the last. And I think that's the number we got in April compared to March. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was 1%. I mean, things were starting to really heat up. Yeah. I mean, the, the Fed wants to see inflation under control. That is their... That's been their whole mandate this year with, with raising rates and... It, it coincides with their game plan because if inflation falls quickly in the beginning of 2023, then people are saying that the Fed might cut rates um, sooner than anticipated or at least not 
increase them like they did this year. I mean, I don't think anyone's saying that they're going to do that, but basically their talking point now is maybe rates are going to be higher for longer depending on how inflation plays out. So that's important point to kind of have a sidebar discussion here. One of the things that the talking heads discuss on TV and radio all the time is what happened in the late 70s, early 80s, and that is kind of the playbook that Jerome Powell and the Fed are using. What happened in the late 70s, and as we rolled into 1980, inflation actually started to come down. And so the Fed said, hey, our short-term interest rates are now above the rate of inflation, so we're going to start cutting rates. And what happened when they did that? Inflation came back. I mean, it came back, back right away. And they had to reverse course and then raise rates even more than they had done before. And that, I mean, 1981 and, and through a big chunk of 1982 was very, very negative on uh, on the economy and also on stocks. Yeah, so they basically want to do the job now. They want to make sure that they don't lower rates quickly. They want to make sure that inflation is snuffed out Mm -hmm. of the system and not returning. Makes sense. So that kind of leads us into the second chart here where we're looking at this is a chart from Schwab and it shows... It goes back to 1984, so just about just after the time period you were talking about. And it shows the amount of time that rates stayed at their peak. And it's not long. It's not. It's not. The Fed is, it, going back to the 1930s, the Fed has either been raising rates or lowering rates The longest period of time in recent history where they did nothing was 1989 through 1994, where it was almost, almost a five-year period where they did not do, they didn't take any action on rates. Short-term interest rates by then, at that point, were 3%. So they've gone, most of the time, they're either raising or lowering rates. They don't stand still for very long in between cutting and raising rates. I I suppose you could say also the period from 2009 through 2014, 15, they also was another equally long period of time where they didn't, they couldn't lower rates because rates were at zero. Yeah, that is the longest plateau. It is uh, 2015 started to tick up a little bit. And then at the end of started to tick up and then at the end of 2018 uh, and into 2019 they cut again then COVID hit another plateau and then this year the line is is almost vertically up so I don't know what the problem is with folks again we're not talking about our listeners we're talking about the folks that are interviewed all the time on Fox Business, on CNBC, on Bloomberg, where they're saying the Fed has to do something. The Fed has to raise rates to a point where they can start to cut rates. We may see and we're prepared to see rates stay where they are for a long time. The Fed is going to cut rates when they need to cut rates. And that is when the Fed will cut rates 
when they see clear signs that the economy is slowing down. What would be one of those signs? When they see unemployment ticking up. That's the big one. It that seems is like. the big one. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other themes uh, here in 2022 has been that there are these investor sentiment polls conducted. The AAII sentiment poll is the big one. I know we've talked about it here um, in various videos and podcasts throughout the year. And it's been a, a pretty remarkable year for this this poll it's been 37 consecutive weeks of negativity, and this is the longest that it has ever been in the history of the AAII investor sentiment poll. Some people were saying in the beginning of the year that it is a good contrarian type of indicator where if there's everyone, it, it's kind of like, you know, what's the saying that the market will uh, make a fool out of as many the, people as possible. Right. So <laughs> that is kind of the line of thinking. Um, I still believe that's going to be right. Um, 37 weeks of uh, negativity. Uh, so people in our business are bearish and they have been now for going on 10 months. One of the things that I learned early on in charting is that the bigger the base the bigger the move that you get on the other end. And so... What do you mean by, by a base? So when we have 37 consecutive weeks of bearish readings, like other institutional investors and investment advisors are bearish for 37 weeks, the longest reading we've ever had, that is an indicator to me that once this market does turn around, it will frustrate a lot of people because we will go on a very, very, very long run of good news. So it's kind of like mean reversion too. 100% mean reversion. Another way of looking at the same, the same indicator would be if you're a career 300 hitter and you get to the middle of the season, the all-star break, and you're hitting 200, there's a pretty good chance that if you're going to hit 300 that year, that means you're going to probably hit 400 in the second half and you're going to come in right around your average. And so when we get 37 consecutive weeks of bearish readings, meaning the whole street is just negative down on the market, they think things are going to get even worse than they are right now, that's a really good indicator to us that we're probably really close to the bottom of something. The risk, you could say that the risk is not to the downside, but to the upside. Yes. So moving on to the next chart, we're looking at a, a distribution curve of bond performance. And all the way on the left-hand side is 2022. So what that means is 2022's bond performance has been an outlier year from all of the other bond returns. It's, it's really been a, a standout year to the downside. And that's what's been so frustrating for some investors this year is because usually bonds act as a buffer in our accounts. When stocks go down, bonds usually lessen the blow. And they have done that this year, but not to the same extent that they usually do. That's right. Yeah, what Casey's talking about is picture, dear listener, that you're looking at a bell curve. 
And in the middle, uh, the one standard deviation to each side of the middle of the bell curve is where your bond values are going to go. Your bonds are going to go up a little, bonds are going to go down a little. That's kind of what we expect with bonds. Where we are in as we wrap up 2022 is bonds are now at the furthest point you can find on the left side. We have not had a year like this since the 1920s. 1920s, 100 years. So in fact, I think Bloomberg this morning said it's the worst performance we've had in bonds in 140 years. And so those years, again, not wanting to make predictions, but those very bad years are usually followed by nice bounce backs. Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about bonds this year because the clear inverse relationship between bond prices and interest rates, as interest rates move up, bond prices go down and interest rates have moved up a lot this year. From that point of view, it's not surprising to see the bond performance, but kind of along the same lines as we were talking about with the uh, bearish sentiment, it sounds like this year is more exception rather than the rule. And I think when we're talking about investing, we want to invest more on the rule rather than the exception. So just because bonds performed this way in 2022, a clear outlier year in the history of bond performance in the 140 years that we've tracked this stuff, this year is an outlier. And that doesn't mean that we have to change what we're doing. So there is a good side to interest rates going up. There is? There is. And I'm looking at a chart. It's a little dated. It goes back to October 31st. But comparing, say, 2021 versus 2022, a six-month T-bill a year ago was paying 0.2%. That's an annualized rate. So you're getting two-tenths of 1%, but it's only for six months. So you're really getting only one-tenth of 1%. However, in October, a six-month T-bill was yielding... Four and a half percent. Right. So folks are actually getting income from fixed income. Yeah, it's a clear change in the environment that's that's been in place over the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty much since 2008, 2009, interest rates have been zero. You can get nothing from the fixed income side. Luckily, the equity side of your portfolio has performed relatively well with you know, some tough stretches in between there, but over that 10 year stretch, the equity side has has had to carry the burden of performance, if you will. And now they're going to be able to share that burden of performance with the bond side of the portfolio. That's right. And uh, just like we've had a never ending pandemic with this COVID business, we've been going through a 14-year pandemic with fixed income because in 2008, the Fed lowered interest rates, short-term interest rates to zero. And other than, you know, a brief period of time in 2017 and 2018, uh, when interest, when Yellen was starting to raise rates, interest rates have pretty much been zero for 14 years. We are now finally at a place where we're seeing 
Uh, Fed funds rate, short-term interest rates now are around four, four and a half percent. The Fed now has a lot more ammo in the event that the economy does slow down. They could lower interest rates by a quarter point, and that would be enough to jolt things back into into business. And so, and and not be at zero, and not be at zero. Yeah, yeah. And so we're. We're actually just resetting the clock back to what I saw in the early 80s, through the 80s and through the 90s and into the first decade of the century where we had short-term interest rates where you would actually earn money on a risk-free rate of return. Uh, The Sharpe ratio hasn't worked for 14 years because the risk-free rate of return as an alternative to being in stocks, the risk-free rate of return has been zero. And so the Sharpe ratio, pretty much you could throw it out the window for the last 14 years. It's useless. Now we have a risk-free rate of return that's positive and we can actually use this. So I really feel like... Wait, before you do that, let's just throw some numbers on that. So the risk-free rate of return at the time of this chart was four and a half percent. So that means if you want a return of say eight percent, that means the stock side of the equation only also has to return four percent. That's so right. The four percent from equity, four and a half percent from bonds, you get an eight and a half percent return. So what that means for the equity side of the equation is you don't have to go further out the risk spectrum in order to get the eight percent return. It was a pretty good indicator over the summer. We started seeing in our industry magazine headlines that talked about the death of the 60-40 portfolio. And honestly, when that when I started seeing headlines about that, I knew that it was probably the time that everyone should have a 60-40 portfolio. Yeah. Because uh, yes. The previous 12 months, not only did stocks go down, but your bonds went down too. It's, it's ugly. But we needed to have one year where the Fed did what they've done in 2022. Get short-term interest rates up to a level where there's some air underneath them. And they've got room to do things. Moving on the charts here, the million-dollar question, will there be a recession? We talked about, me, you, and Tim talked about, how that there's pretty much this consensus out there that the beginning of 2023 there's going to be a recession and then back half of 23 is uh when the coast is going to clear but the the real question is what do we do about that there's this peter lynch quote so peter lynch was the managed the fidelity magellan uh fund for a very long time in the late 70s and into the early 80s as the bull market began and he, he was, you know, you would talk about Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch in the same sentence. Yeah, that was Great like stock the, the most popular fund yes. um, back then. So he has fam- famously said that more money is lost preparing for corrections than in corrections themselves. So Same thing with recessions. Same thing with recessions, yeah. So basically he's saying that if you are scared and act accordingly and, and, and act on thinking that something is going to happen that is going to cost you more money than just riding it out. Yeah. Casey, how long is the average recession? 
in the history of the United States? Nine months. 11 months. I'm going to use the National Bureau of Economic Advisors, NBER, uh, definition of a recession. Two months of negative GDP defines a recession. If it takes two quarters to find out that we're in a recession, that's six months. Which means that we don't know that we're in a recession until we're halfway through a recession. And Historically, the best time to buy stocks and invest is when we're about halfway through a recession. <laughs> I mean, how do you do this? Yeah. So, you know, by the time we realize that we're in a recession, we're already on our way out of a recession. Uh, me personally, and this is not, you know, a, a, a firm stance for Maluli Asset Management, I don't think we're going to have a recession at all. I don't. So... The economy continues to grow. Earnings continue to go up. Yes, some companies are going to stumble and have some individual problems. We're starting to see that already. But we're also starting to see companies that have no problem with making their earnings estimates and providing guidance that's still going to be good going into 2023. We still see the economy adding jobs. And these are not government jobs. These are private sector jobs that are being added. We're seeing wages going up. None of these things happen in recessions. None of them. Just the opposite happens in recessions. More people get laid off. Wages get cut. Earnings get get cut. So I don't get it. I think one of, I'm not saying that this is what I believe, but I guess one of the uh, counterpoints to, to your points would be all of the rate hikes, I mean, we, we've talked about before how rate hikes have a lag and it takes time for the effects of that to trickle through the economy. Uh, and, you know, we saw 25 basis points in March, we saw 50 in June, and then in the last six months, we've seen an additional three and a quarter, three and a half percent of rate hikes. So it's still yet to be seen the actual effects of these interest rate hikes. The Fed is definitely doing their job. They're slowing the economy down. There's no doubt about that. But we're still seeing all of the key indicators like wages, the employment rate, earnings estimates, they're all hanging in there and and doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And so the Fed is really doing its job in in terms of slowing things down. The best part about this is, and we talked about this two episodes ago, that uh, you'll get these economists talking about, well, if the Fed raises rates above, uh, if the Fed raises short-term interest rates above the rate of inflation, then we are going to go into a recession, or we could very likely go into a recession. And that may happen very soon in the course of the maybe the first half of 2023, what will the Fed do in that case? What do you think? Cut. Yeah, they're probably going to be cutting rates. Hey, we overdid it and we need to we need to trim back our, you know, our rate forecast or we're done raising rates and now we're going to we're going to cut. It's not going to do severe damage to the economy. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be in my opinion, it's not it's opinion not going to be something that's going to be fatal 
for the U.S. economy or the stock market. Yeah. So we covered, pretty much summed up the entire year here, I think, in, in this podcast. And uh, Thanks you know, for hanging in there with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, any last words before we shut the mics off for 2022? Thank you for listening. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe. That's going to do it for episode 422 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Thank, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next year. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.